I just try my best to convey what you've put on my heart. Lord, I just ask that you take these ordinary words and turn them into extraordinary words. Lord, may your Holy Spirit just begin to use individual words that touch our hearts and convict us and bring uh, a new perspective to our life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you or uh, your devices or whatever else you have, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 and 42. And I think um, I'll have it up there in a second for you if you can read it on the screens in a sec. In this story that we're going to look at, it's the story of Elijah. And uh, one of the things that he uh, did in, in his time as the prophet for the people of Israel um, He's just been through uh, a huge drought that he prophesied. And so he told the king, get, get things right, otherwise God's going to come against uh, the nation and, and there's going to be a drought. And uh, the king you know, doesn't like him because of that. He's also just done the showdown with the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. Who knows that story where um, there's 400 prophets of Baal left and there's, there's no other prophets of God left except Elijah, although there is some have been stashed away in a cave somewhere. But uh, he's, he's really the only one left who's active and able to do anything. And uh, you know that, that story is, is God comes down and um, consumes the fire on, on, on his altar and the other altar that the people of Baal, nothing happened. And um, then they, they kill all the, old prof, all the other prophets from from Baal, who, who are devil worshippers. Um, but things are bad in Israel at this time. Things are so bad. Uh, there's been no crops for years. Uh, the, the nation is, is lost. There's no direction from leadership, uh, only bad direction, and there's no hope. The whole nation of Israel, who should have been God's people. And by the way, because a lot of people don't understand the stories in the Bible, when you read Chronicles and Kings, those two books, if you don't understand this, the kingdom was divided. We all know who King David was. You heard of King David. Then he had a son called Solomon. And then after that, Solomon had a son. And then the kingdom got divided into two. And, and if you don't understand this, you'll read your Bible and talk about the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. You're thinking, what? The kings of Judah were the family of David continued on a dynasty because the kingdom got split in half. Two tribes stayed loyal to David or his family and the rest of the tribes, the other ten, called themselves Israel and had their own king and their own kingdom based in Samaria. And that's why in Jesus' time people all hated people from Samaria because that's where that all started. But then they got taken into captivity first and went away uh, to um, Assyria. Anyway, was that good? A little bit of history there. Who didn't realise that? There you go, that's good. But things are bad in Israel. So we're talking about the, the, what they called the northern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Israel. At the same time, there was a king in Jerusalem, in Judah, which was the other kingdom, which was the line of David. So this is the, 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 the kingdom we're talking about is the kingdom of Israel after it's been divided and it's those kings that we're talking about. And, and those kings were always bad. Um, and things were bad in Israel. The king at the time, his name was Ahab. And he's married to a woman called Jezebel. We've all heard her. She runs around with miniskirt and real red lipstick. And everyone thinks she's a spirit in the church today. Maybe she is. But she's a particularly evil and ruthless queen. And, and very deadly and very anti-God. 
And, and so the king is, is basically uh, doing whatever she says in every area. And when he can't get what he wants, she gets it for him. There's stories in the Bible about, about how she manipulates and does things and, and has people put to death so that the king can get what he wants. We're going to pick up the story here in 1, uh, 1 Kings 18, verses 41 to 45. And uh, I'll just pop this up. It says this, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now there's been a drought. There's been no rain, there's been no crops, the animals are uh, dying. And so Ahab went to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground. And he prayed with his face between his knees. And then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. Uh, just go to the next one. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Now, I just want to say, the nights that we have here tonight, I probably wouldn't talk like this so much in church, in, in that kind of a forum, but these are leadership principles that we need to apply, and there's only going to be really one major leadership principle, but we need to get that, and I'll, I'll let you know what it is so that you all understand, oh, this is the big hit, this is where, it's come, this is where we're going to. But Elijah climbed to the top of the mountain to be with God, and he put his head down, and cried out to God because, the, because of the, the state of the nation. And, you know, today we've got so many different things, you know, I guess, in the state of our nation where godliness is not a factor anymore. And um, everything that we think should be normal or, or easy to understand is being complicated. I mean, for goodness sake, we can't even tell the difference between what a man and a woman is. And that, I think, it should be simple. But, you know, it's, it's getting so crazy. You know, and I've even heard that, that in, in little kids' things, like, 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 I don't know, it's not even kindergarten, childcare stuff now, you can't even tell, you can't even teach children what a circle or a square is because that's all too complicated today. You can't even tell them that orange is orange. So I tell you, we're, we're, we're going down a confusion that's unnecessary. And, and these guys were in an even worse situation. Elijah, in that, in that place, climbed to the top of the mountain and he began to pray. And I think he probably would have been praying and interceding for, for his nation, interceding for his people. And they weren't godly people anymore. They weren't following God. They were following anything that seemed, that seemed reasonable, anything that seemed to give them a, a, a spiritual experience. They were just going after anything. And he's crying out to God. And I think he would, have been, he would have been saying, God, don't count their sins against them. And we need to be people who, of God who are saying, God, we're crying out for the city of Port Lincoln. We're crying out for our neighbours. We're crying out for our families that aren't saved. 
He's going, don't count their sins against them. Restore the good years again so that we may see the goodness of God again in Israel. Maybe he'd, he'd read Psalm 90, verse 15 and 16. I'm not too sure, but it's saying, God, give us gladness again in proportion to our former misery. I love that kind of prayer because sometimes, you know, you, you might be going through the valley, going through the storm, going through the, the fire, but you've got to be saying, God, restore the years of my gladness. And when you start speaking that, it's like that DVD we saw at the start. Your words can frame your future. And you've got to be crying out to God with those kind of words. And as he was praying for the nation in a desperate time, he sends his servant to look for the change. His unnamed servant, by the way. There's something special in that. An unnamed servant. We don't know his name, don't know too much about the person at all, except he's told to go and see and look for a change. And sometimes that's how we feel. It's like we're the one running backwards and forwards and it seems like nothing is changing. You can be thinking, oh, but, but I'm doing this church thing. I'm going, I'm, I'm joining this team, and I'm helping with that team and I'm doing my best and, and, and I didn't ask for it, but they put me on the business team. I don't know what that's going on. It's a booby trap, don't worry. But sometimes it's the hardest place to be serving someone else when nothing seems to be changing. <clears throat> and it's hard to stay motivated when you have no momentum. And I'll tell you something, that's a place of a lot of Christians live in that place, in their local scene where it seems like there's no momentum. And it's like you're trying to drive a train up a greased train track up a hill. Doesn't go very far, very fast. But it's hard to stay motivated when you have no momentum. And it's hard to get helpers. It's hard to find resources. It's discouraging when you're doing what you can, but seeing not much of anything. And that's what this servant was like. He's trying to do the will of God. He's trying to serve the man of God. But he keeps going. He keeps looking. But he can't see any change. It's at these times that churches are vulnerable to random programming. That's the hit. Get that word. Random programming. Everyone turn to someone and say, random programming. What is that? See, runners can, do, uh, can and do engage. This is people who are serving God, serving their leader, serving their pastor, serving their church. They're doing a duty and they're, 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 they're just going about the thing. Oh, they just told me all I have to do is make coffee and, and that's what I'm doing. But, you know, it doesn't seem to be making any difference in anybody's life here sort of start to think, well, what's the point of all this? Because I keep turning up, I keep going, I keep doing, but I don't know if this is really worth it or not. And so at those times, it's easy to engage in random programs that are invented by ourselves in times when they see nothing happening. These programs lead to nowhere, cause divisions and become their own mission and compete in the end with the vision of the church. So you're thinking, well, what, what's that look like? See, Elijah sent his servant to look for the change. And each time he went and he looked and he came back and he said, I didn't see anything. 
Elijah's saying, go and look. Go and, go and see what's happening out there. Go and look to the sea and tell me what's happening. And I think this guy, he's, going, he's running down, he's going to the lookout, he's looking out to the sea, and he's probably thinking, well, what am I supposed to be seeing? Is, is there ships coming? Is there a dragon coming out of the sea? He doesn't know what he's looking for. But basically all he sees is, is the sea and the blue sky. It's like that guy saying it's a beautiful day, but I can't see it. But we've got to avoid random programs. They may appear to be something, but don't connect to the overall vision or submit to our purpose as a church. You know, our name, One Heart, is a powerful declaration that, that we want to be only going down the tracks that God is telling us to, to go into. And it's, it's probably a place where most churches never, never experience either. That, that sense of purpose and unity in a single direction. But we've got to avoid random programs that may appear to be something but don't connect to the overall vision or submit to our purpose. So major divisions begin in such random programs. Here's some examples. And I know of churches that have started just like this. I was talking to someone and there was a church split in a church. A hundred people left the church all in one, one big go. They all went together. And I was talking to someone about it and they said, oh, well, you don't understand where it came from. And it came from, from a situation, an illustration that I'm going to give you just like this. I'm just seeing a few friends, a few lads on Saturday coming around on afternoons and we just watched Joyce Meyer. And suddenly it, we turned it into a church. And the music started to play just like that. Or a few of us girls are just getting together weekly just to connect and, and just to, to, to talk to each other. And the next thing, we're, we're organising a weekend camp and we're all going to be there and half the church is, is, is going. And it's gone from serving the vision to causing a division. And it, it happens at those times when you think, you know, I can't see the purpose. I can't see what I'm on this errand for. I can't see why the man of God is sending me out, but we've got to realise that whatever causes division separates our vision. And you know, we can split off for every reason, a million different reasons for all good causes, but if they're not birthed by revelation from what God is dealing and doing with us as a community, then we break down and we separate and we get nowhere. So here's this guy. Goes out, he's following what the prophet tells him, what Elijah tells him. And he goes out, no change once. Goes and looks out, there's no change once. Goes again, no change twice. No change three. Goes again, no change four. You're thinking, well, what's going to happen here? No change five. No change six. Seventh time. He looks out to see. He's following the instructions. And he says, I think I see something. I see a small thing, an insignificant thing, a small change. I don't even know if it's got anything to do with anything, but oh, I better go back. And he goes back to Elijah. And Elijah says, well, what did you see? And he says, I don't know if this means anything, but I saw a cloud <clears throat> rising from the sea about the size of a man's hand. 
Maybe he starts to back, back up thinking, I'm going to get in trouble now because that's all I saw. But at least it was something this time. But the question I have for you today is, would you be willing to keep going back until you see the change? Until you see the revelation? Until you see something that says, the, the atmosphere is about to change? I want to tell you something. I know I've already seen the atmosphere has changed in our church. And just over the last couple of weeks, probably two weeks, our, our um, uh, attendance has, has from, from 2010 to now, which you think, well, that's a long time, but at least it's come. We've, we've uh, just probably over the last month from uh, what we started on is now probably about 40% up, which I think is awesome. But will you be willing to keep going back until you see that kind of change? And I believe that we've worked hard, we've sowed, we've put some foundational things in place. And now I think we just need to stick together and not be distracted. And not be distracted by, uh, what's that term I use that I said for you all to say? Those, those random programs. Because what the enemy wants to do right now is he wants people to go, well, go on a random program. Isn't there a camp on somewhere this weekend? Isn't there something else somewhere? They're all designed to lead you up the garden path to, to not be effective. I mean, we can, we can apply ourselves to a billion things and be equally ineffective in all of them. But when we start to anchor ourselves and put our feet down into the roots of a good soil, which God instituted for us and God puts people in our lives for a purpose to grow and sustain and to build us together, we can see things really change. Then at last, this guy saw something different on the horizon, a cloud, a very small cloud. And that cloud was a signal of what God was going to do and what was going to happen. So don't give up because you can't see anything. As a leader, it's vital, if you're a leader here today, to be on the mountain praying interceding prayers for people. And that doesn't matter whether you're uh, you know, a, a host team person or whatever else you might do in the church. I want to encourage you leaders. This is part of what tonight's all about, is encouraging leaders about your spiritual responsibility to those who you lead. So if that's in Little Links or in kids' church or, or you know, even uh, working on a sound booth, you need to be saying, God, I want to be interceding for when what I do can bring someone to see Jesus. You know, so if our, if our services are always breaking down where you know, the, the, the microphones hardly ever work and, and I've been in church where you never knew from week to week whether the microphone would work, the, the things here didn't work. You know, it's all because no one was giving their commitment to the things that were before them. But I, I want to really encourage you, Leaders to be praying for your team, to be interceding for, for their lives, saying, God, help them to see the cloud. Help them to see what you want to do, that you want to send a rainstorm of your spirit, of your destiny over us. It's vital that you be on the mountain praying, interceding prayers for people. We, as a church, we need to be having interceding prayers for Port Lincoln. Because if we're not doing it, who's going to? Someone else will be putting that investment in and they'll be going to hell. <clears throat> but right now, let's all see ourselves as the unmain, oh, sorry, unnamed runner in this story. Be the one who is consistent, who keeps going back 
who keeps going back for another look. Be a champion of your church. I say this a lot. If you don't love your church, find one you do. And don't stop looking until you get there. Because life is too short and your mission from God too important to be wasted in the wrong place. If you need to move to another city, I make no, you know, no problems about saying that. But you've got to lock yourself into the destiny that God has put on your life. And if that means that you're going to be wasted in a place where you hate church, you don't like why they do this and why do they paint the roof and why do they change a the carpet when the other stuff was per- perfectly lumpy and, and trip, trip hazards, um, uh, all those sorts of things. Find a church and love it. It's really important that we do. One Heart Church is a great church. But things born in prayer by prophetic revelation are what we need to be serving. The best thing you can do for your pastor or your team leader is do the running so that they can keep on praying. That's the best thing that you can do. Is if you've got a job to do and you might think, well, all it is is, 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 is you know, setting up the chairs again or whatever it is, then you do that so you can say, Pastor, I'm going to do the chairs for you or I'm going to make sure the car park's done or I'm going to do whatever it is that you do. You do the running so your leader can keep praying. I've got another story for you. 2 Kings now, chapter 13, verse 4 and 5. <clears throat> it says, Then Jehoahaz, oh, I don't know how you say his name. They should just give him all Italian names. Yeah. Prayed for the Lord's help. He, he's another king of Israel. It says, Jehoahaz prayed for the Lord's help and the Lord heard his prayer. For he could see how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel so the Lord provided someone someone there's no name again to rescue the Israelites from the tyranny of the Arameans then Israel lived in safety again as they had in former days so the Lord provided someone no name not even what that someone did Isn't that amazing? That's the best description that we get of of a person as just someone. And I want to tell you today, the answer to our future, the answer to our prayers is someone. So right here today, there's lots of someones. And the answer to our our church future for lots of areas is in, in you someones. So there's lots of things that we can't get to, lots of things that we don't do. There's lots of things that we can't even think about yet. But there's someone who's going to do that for us. And that someone is sitting right here in this room. There's lots of someones here. There's someones who are going to be evangelists, who are going to tell lots of people and see them come to know Jesus Christ. There are someones who can serve uh, food and help Priscilla in the kitchen. There are someones who can do sound systems. There are someones who can lead worship like we've never heard before. There are someones who can write songs. There's someone who can preach. There are someones who, who love people and just can go over to their house and, and do their gardens. There are someones all around the place here in this building, and we've got to activate the someones so that we can release the tyranny of Satan out of our world. The problem is, we're thinking, God, you've got to do something. And God's saying, I'm going to send you someone. And someone's saying, oh God, would you just send someone? 
I spent the first two years in this church saying, God, send us someone. I just wish I knew who I could find who could help heal this church and help move it forward. Oh, God, tell us of someone. Who is it? Help me to find them. Are they in Perth? Are they in, are they in Melbourne? Lord, where are they? And I'll always be asking questions and talking to people and trying to find out what's the answer. And then one day God went, I sent you. The answer to prayer is always in someone. And the prophecy, Pauline and I went to, went to our first regional leaders meeting when we were here, when we moved to, back to Port Lincoln, and it was up at Wyala, and there was a prophet, and a few people from the church said, oh, there's a prophet. Oh, we're going to go. Oh, we want a word from God. And he didn't give anyone else a word. For, and I said, I don't want a word from God. He's already stooged me enough. So we went to this meeting and the only people he prophesied, he goes, oh, you two over there. And he gives us his prophecy. And he didn't know us at all. And he, he says, all around you is small pebbles. Just pebbles, ordinary looking pebbles. But they're the things that you're going to build with and you're going to build a great ministry and have a great church just from using ordinary looking pebbles. And, and I, just, I still hang on to that word saying, God, there's pebbles in our church. And he said, each pebble is full of jewels and diamonds and precious things are all there. And God's going to bring you more and more of these pebbles that just look so ordinary, but God has a, a, a perfection inside of them that he wants to use. But we need to believe in people, that our church is full of someone for every situation. And every prayer we pray will be answered by a someone. And you know, if you ever hear with me on a Wednesday morning, I pray, God, I don't know where they are right now, but you know where people are. You know who we need to take this church forward. And you direct your army and bring in who we need to build the church that you want to see here. And I, I've got a big vision for our church. I want to see our ch uh, church, uh, a large relevant church of mature believers who love our community. And that's not going to happen in this building. But praise God, other generations bought land down at the marina um, and, and we're going to see something built down there and we're going to, we're going to build a, a facility that is going to take this church into the future. Not just enough kind of a building, but big enough to, to fit our vision. And a lot of people will leave church when they hear that because they think, oh, it's too scary. But you know something, God's going to stir in people that, that same desire. Because I want to see our Bible college, a place where people, people can come from other places to study here. I want to study in the morning and go fishing in the afternoon. Why wouldn't you? Every prayer will be answered by someone. And we need to be saying, God, Help me to answer the prayers. Let me be the someone. Let me be the someone. I, I believe we're going to have a time in our church where we'll, we'll be just saying, we've got so many workers and volunteers that, that we just haven't got enough spaces for them to do things. People painting, people you know, fixing, people serving in the office, people making each other coffees. Can I make you a coffee? Oh, I'll make you one first. Here's your coffee, here's your coffee. But we need someone who will move. Abraham, God said to go where I'll show you. And this is bad English, he goed, he went. 
Someone who will give. King David set aside and gave building materials, all that was needed to build the temple that Solomon later built. But God was looking for someone who, who will give. God's looking for people who will go. God's looking for people who will give. Um, someone who will stand. There's Shammah who stood his ground and didn't budge in the war. And he defeated all the enemies because he was just prepared to stand. Sometimes you can't do anything else. You can't do too much. But you think, well, I can just stand here with my sword. He said he just stood there and he killed all the enemies. So he just stood in one spot. Everyone who came too close, he just cut them in half. Someone who will fight. David, only a lad who took on Goliath and changed the whole battle. Someone who prophesied. We've already heard about Elijah who prophesied when every other prophet was gone. Sometimes we just need someone who will prophesy into a situation. Someone who will speak the word of what God's saying. Someone who will build. We see the story of Nehemiah who rebuilt the ruins of Jerusalem. We see the story of Noah who built an ark. Sometimes we need to be the builder. Someone who will build something for the kingdom of God that will save generations after them. I'm finished just about. Someone who will take the call of God and do something with it. And I want to tell you, Ephesians 4 verse 1, our foundational scripture is, is you know, well, how does it go? You've been called by God. Live a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. And I want to have that sinking down deep into your spirit right now. Live a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. Live a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. I'll say it again. Live a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. That means you need to shake off the doubts. That means you need to shake off the addictions. That means you need to shake off the self uh, the, the, the self-righteousness. That means you need to take off the, the, uh, the, the insecurities. That means you need to start to step into the, the things that God sees in you. You might not know every answer. You might not see everything. But you can see a, a cloud the size of a man's fist that seems so insignificant and see the power of God come in every situation. The question we ought to ask ourselves is what am I doing right now that serves the purpose of One Heart Church? You know, that might be a little bit selfish, but we could make that more spiritual and say, what am I doing to serve the kingdom of God? What am I doing to serve God? You need to recognize that you are the someone. I saw those two stories today where the names of the runner and the names of the someone doesn't even tell us in that second story what the someone did. It just said God sent someone to rescue the Israelites. And God will send someone. The reason why we don't see their names is because God wants to have the glory. And we should be saying, well, Jesus, I don't know. It doesn't matter if they, they give me a box of chocolates at heartbeat night doesn't matter about those things, but I just want to serve in your house because I love you. So when you answer God's call, you become the someone that changes the situation, that changes everything. Why don't we just bow our heads tonight? And maybe we've seen...
too many random programs that somehow just happened. And we've been sidetracked and, and sideswiped and we've, we've always thought, well, you, you know, I, I really can't understand why there's no fruit that lasts around me. Maybe you've just been running down the track of random programs that don't take you anywhere. You need to say, well, God, I, I want to make that choice today to see fruit remain in my life, to, to help build something of substance, to help build something for the Air Peninsula, to help build something for South Australia, for your kingdom here where we are. And maybe we started serving but didn't come back like the, the servant who was sent to, to look for the sign. And when you looked and saw nothing was changing, you, you just wandered away. And I want to pray that you're prepared for the moment that when it's time, you become the someone who can change everything. One Heart Church is a great church, but things born in prayer by a prophetic revelation are where we need to be serving. We can be, we can be running on great ideas and we can be looking at what the other church down the road does or we can be looking at what the latest book said or we can be saying, God, we're going to run after the revelation that comes by your Spirit to our hearts. Lord, that's the kind of a church that we want to be part of and that we want to affect this, this town with. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray, if you just want to respond to anything and you're just saying, oh, I just want to respond to the call of God in my life, whatever that means to you, it's, I'm not going to be signing you up or, or doing anything like that tonight. This is something that happens deep in your spirit and then God will orchestrate those next seasons in your life. But if you feel to respond, then I'll just say, just raise your hand and say, pray for me today. Pray for me because I want to be in the place that, where God will use me to be a someone who can change situations and circumstances. Thank you for those hands right now. Lord Jesus, I just pray an anointing to come upon people tonight. I pray for a, a vision and a purpose to, to be birthed in their hearts that far exceed our imagination. Lord, I just pray that we may have vision to be able to go places and see a cloud, maybe just something the size of a, of a man's hand in the distance. But Lord, what that represents is the, the power and the purpose of God is going to break over us and change the drought to season of life again, a season of abundance again. So God, I just pray over One Heart Church today. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you, you protect us and cover us from the random programs that so easily get our attention, that seem so innocent, that seem so uh, easy to get involved in, but Lord, uh, just cause divisions and cause distraction. God, I pray you give us wisdom in our spirit. Give us wisdom in our spirit and grace in our heart. Lord, that we may be the people of God with one heart, one hope and one purpose to change the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for coming out tonight. I just want to share with you too, here's a great book. It's a huge book. It's bigger than the Bible. It's called The Making of a Leader. I don't know if I've shown you this before. But I want to encourage uh, you guys, especially your Bible college people. Bible college teaches you stuff, but it doesn't prepare you for ministry. This book will, will help you to understand how I tick because I, I read it and I think, well, these are the things that we need to look for in our lives if we want to go on the, the pathway to ministry. Um, 
that, that's just fantastic information there. Uh, the author is a guy called Frank DiMarzio. It doesn't look like this anymore. It's been reprinted and looks totally different. But the stuff inside is, is still the same. So I just want to encourage you if, you, if you're thinking, God, how do I go on that journey of discovering who I can be in God? You know, a book like that can really help. That's not the only thing you can get, but I'd say um, that will help you. It's it's only taken me about 20 years to, to read it, and then I just scribble in it and, and highlight stuff and then start again in the next 20 years. So that's it. We're done before 9 o'clock. God bless you. Thanks for coming out tonight.